Hey, listeners, before we get to your show, this is a blast from your past. Were you hanging around in the 90s watching Nickelodeon before you got too old for it and started smoking weed and doing drugs? Well, then you should know us. This is Danny Tamborelli and... And this is Michael C. Morona. We're here to ask you to check out our podcast, The Adventures of Danny and Michael. And here's our on-air producer, Jeremy, to tell us what you'll be hearing. You can hear things like minisodes, full episodes, nostalgia dumps, interviews with some of today's hottest comedians. That's right, Jeremy. All of those things and more. So check us out. The Adventures of Danny and Mike on the Seltzer Kings Network. You're now listening to The Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where relatively grown men binge the iconic HBO series Sex and the City. So dust off those DVDs and grab yourself a white wine or even a cosmopolitan and settle in. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where three guys watch Sex and the City with you. And just like that, I'm Corey Cavan. I'm Kevin James Doyle. John Sieber is not with us tonight, but he is with his wife and child. And we wanted to, as you probably saw in the notes, we wanted to re-put out this episode because we just found out, like, I don't know, an hour ago? About an hour ago, yeah. Uh, Kevin texted us. Yeah, we just found out um, that... Willie Garson has uh, passed away. Yeah. And we we're just super. Yeah, it's crazy. It's probably just like just like everybody else. It's like it's very shocking because he was so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did it say? 57? 57 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And from the looks of it, it was cancer, I believe. I think I, I think so. We like we said, we just found this out like an hour ago. So that's I I read that on one report. I also read that he uh, it was thankfully you know surrounded by family. Yeah. Um, and I and I read something else that said uh, of an illness. So by the time this comes out, uh, we may know more about what actually happened, but. We were talking tonight, and um, we just figured it would be good to uh, to talk a, briefly right now, and then after we talk for a sec, we're gonna you'll hear our interview that we did with Willie Garson um, about yeah. a year ago or something like that, I think. Yeah, and it was just like I don't know. It's it's weird because obviously we didn't know him, but we spent a, he was generous enough. We spent an hour and a half with him, and it mm-hmm. was like um, he was really cool and kind and very funny pre-interview I think was hilarious. He was like <laughs> just making fun of us cause we couldn't get, uh, we were, we were trying to get like the zoom stuff to work. Yeah. And- yeah. We were trying to get him to, uh, we were, we were trying to get him to find some headphones because we were like, this is really more helpful if you can have headphones because of the way it works with the way we recorded. And he was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And he was going around his house trying to find headphones. And then he was saying, he was like, I just, took my son to college recently i think he took all the headphones and we were like that's okay and then he said he was like could we just do it and i was like and we always joke about this we're like i'm thinking about how the production needs to happen i was like is there any way that you could just find some and then he was just like yeah sure i'll do it Corey." <laughs> and and uh he was a, a really good sport, but also like really ribbed. Oh, he just was like, like giving oh you, yeah, giving yeah. you shit for the no next problem, few no problem. Uh, but he was yeah, but he was really he was really funny and really nice pre-interview, and um, and then he also joked about the fact that he was like, he was like, I'm just here now. I dropped my son off, so what else do I have to do? Yeah, but talk to you guys. Yeah, he's like, thanks, yeah. thanks for the homework. And yeah, exactly. It was just funny, like how, I mean, he's like an absolute legend when you mm-hmm. look at you know people that try and like make it as an actor and then someone who's literally on every single television show yeah that is on every major network yep and then two hugely iconic roles in white collar mm-hmm. and i didn't i didn't realize the fan base around white collar until we put that out how many people were like oh, yeah. yeah um and yeah i mean i guess it's it's 
man, between this and Norm Macdonald, it's just been really, uh, there's, those are two like really unique beloved people Mm -hmm. beloved, like in their, in their, by their peers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just incredibly sad. Our thoughts and, uh, go out to his family, of course. And I don't know. It's, it's just all the, you know, puts you in the space of like all, all the things that whenever death happens, but, um, I guess it was, it's just interesting because I would have never been familiar with his work really if we, yeah. if we hadn't done this. So it, it was, it was cool to get to talk with him and, and have that, um, that hour and a half with him was so, so much fun. Yeah. So. Well, and it's pretty crazy. I think that we, like he said in, you'll hear, um, in the interview with him, like you were saying, you know, I don't know if I would have been, I don't know if I would have been familiar with his work, but then after talking to him, you realized that you saw him mm-hmm. everywhere. Like yeah. not just Sex and the City and White Collar, but he's in a ton of movies. Yeah. He was in so many TV shows. And like you said, was like really, um, not only just like a working actor, but like a working actor who was, who had his own personal style and was really recognizable and mm-hmm. kind of was in a specific position with Sex and the City to get to do other shows. So he was, he got to, you know, work on a ton of stuff. And as a result, uh, is, is in a lot of things, which is great. Cause we and, get to see him in a, in a bunch of things. Yeah. And, and he seemed, uh, very proud of like kind of his work as like a journeyman actor, you mm-hmm. know, there's like mm-hmm. famous actors and he definitely became iconic through these roles. But, um, when we talked about acting, it was sort of just like pretty, pretty just like, yeah, just, grinding out going to work you know and yeah sure and i think that's like a pretty amazing quality for someone in um like in hollywood and in tv to just have that sort of work ethic so yeah yeah um so yeah i mean i guess uh enjoy this interview enjoy this like wonderful um conversation with this person that is is no longer with us but left such a huge impact on people through his his craft of acting yeah and uh and from all accounts he says a few stories in this one about september 11th and sarah jessica parker and he talked to us a little about his family too and he just seemed to be a a very stand-up person not on screen either so yeah um that's that's cool yeah yeah he's he seems like someone who and you can tell even just from the posts you know that we're going up in social media now that you can tell that he's someone that had, you know, deep relationships, not only with his family, but also with people he worked with and other friends and stuff off screen. And our thoughts uh, and sympathies go out to all those people, uh, obviously. Um, But it's just, it's just cool to see someone who, especially when (laughs) I don't remember how we got in touch with them, but I, I DM'd him on Instagram. Okay, so someone that you get in touch with, who you say, "Hey, we're three guys that are watching this thing," and for him to to give up time, uh, be very gracious, and be really engaged, and then to just tell really personal stories, just I think kind of speaks to like the kind of person that he was, and mm-hmm. the and that everybody who uh, who worked with him, um, you know, it seems to show that again. So we were really, yeah, we're really glad to just have gotten to get to talk to him for, for that time. Yeah. Feel really lucky. All right. Well, rest, rest in peace, Willie. Rest in peace, Willie. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bradshaw boys, a podcast where three guys watch the rate through sex in the city for the first time ever. Mostly I'm Corey Cavan. I'm Kevin James Doyle. My name is John Sieber. And we are delighted today to be with one of our favorites from the show. Cannot believe we're sitting here with him. Stanford Blatch himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Willie Garson. Yes. Willie, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. What a delight. And uh, people who actually uh, don't talk crap about the show and like the show. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we, we get that like all the time that there are so many people that are like, so you guys actually like it? And they're like, we thought this was a podcast to roast it and that it's... we've. Uh, I was thinking about it today. I mean, we've talked about this like on the show before, but 
it has become a thing that like we all obviously really like, but it has also become kind of like a, a social theory for like talking about culture and the world and stuff like that amongst the of three of us completely. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, I mean, you guys know this, like 90% of the people who say they can't stand it either only saw an episode and made a decision before they watched that episode that they yeah. hated it, or they've never seen it at all. Totally. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden their next door neighbor was, you know, wearing stiletto heels and, <laughs> and a glitter, you know, bikini and, and was really into it. So they hate her. So they hate the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know, really I, I was telling you guys before we started, I was in a hotel room with my son who hasn't watched a lot of it. Now he's old. Um, so he, so we were flipping channels and there was a good episode on and I haven't watched it in like 20 years, that episode. And uh, then we, you know, it's each channel. So it's on 24 hours a day. So yeah. then we watched like three more and it was like, Oh, it's really funny. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, it's it is it is so legitimately funny and so like we just the picture I posted today of you and Sarah Jessica Parker. You're you're laughing at something, and there's a few comments in the Instagram of people being like, "You could tell that um, your friendship." You you were laughing as actors. I think it wasn't during an. It was like between scenes or something, but all the dynamic of all the characters and their interactions and the energy is still comes through like 20 years later. Like, I think that it is so dynamic. The, the believability of like the friendships and the banter and the jokes, like, um, I, I think that for for us, for us specifically, like for Sarah, Jessica and I specifically, Mm -hmm. that was like very important. Um, she, she didn't know. I'm sure if you've read about the show, you might know this. She didn't know that I was up for the role. I didn't know that she was playing the role. And then uh, I, I heard that she might be up for it. And I came, uh, it was right after my network test at HBO. I heard in the lobby, other women were there talking about who's going to maybe play Carrie. And I left the audition and I called Sarah and I said, what is this thing? Sex in the city. Are you doing it? And she said, I might, I don't know. She goes, are you doing it? I said, I think so. I'm the only one. I was the only one there to test for Stanford. Wow. And she said, I don't know. I mean, when you do television shows, people hate you and they write terrible things about you. And they they just love to, you're a target. Um, She goes, but I think I'll do it. So so I like to tell people that I convinced her to do it, which is not true. (laughs) But I, I always do believe that our friendship showed up on the screen like at the end of scene she would reach over and like slap my bald head and <laughs> she wouldn't be doing that with some actor who happened mm-hmm. to be cast mm-hmm. yeah and uh, that shot that shot that you talk about that you put up today um sarah's uh, you know right before we shoot anything uh sarah jessica would say to me tell me a joke wow so you tell the joke they, sh- they shout action and we go because we're great. in it. Yeah. And that's, that's our friendship. That's not some junkie actor who was hired. Yeah. That's like us hanging out. And, you know, we always say if either of us wasn't on it, we'd be there all the time hanging out with our friend on set in New mm. York. So, so it was like a double bonus. How that's special great. is that's so special that, that you had a friend and then you got to be in a show with them. Like that is such like a dream. I happened to get on a show with one of my best friends. So that wow. was like amazing. Um, it, it, by chance, it happened to me again on white collar. Mm. It's just, that's what happens when you're elderly. Were, were, <laughs> <laughs> were you friends with Matthew Bomer or who? who? No, I had never, I'd never met Matt. I was very good friends with Tim Decay. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Well, the thing you said though, that, that when you just said that's what happens when you're elderly, I mean, but there is a thing though, that seems to be true even through, through sex in the city. And that a lot of you are all st- are still working that the longer you stick around an industry like this, the more you start to run across people, probably like the more friends you make, but also the more you start seeing the same people. And that seems to be the case with you and Sarah, Jessica, when, when was the first time that you met her and came across working with her. Was there an earlier thing you worked on together? No, we never worked together before. We went, we met in uh, 1986. Um, 
we were set up as a dinner date, dinner date to sit next to each other at a dinner party. Okay. Um, I became uh, rapidly much more interested than she was in me. Um, <laughs> uh, but we became really tight friends, and she lived in Los Angeles at the time. Okay. So we were kind of inseparable for a few years, and then she moved back to New York. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, we still, we, we still, our, our friendship uh, is intact. So yeah. we still talk, you know, close to every day. Um, really? Yeah, we're going on 30 years. That is wow. wild. How has I, that changed with technology? Did it start that you guys would actually call each other every couple of days and well, then you I'll would text and now it's... I'll tell you the best. Right at the beginning of... Uh, this is so corny. Right at the beginning of pagers, there was something called uh, Skynet. Yes. Skynet. <laughs> I remember was, commercials for that. It was like this. A rectangular... This size, too. A rectangular pager and you flip the top open and you could write and had a keyboard and you could write and send it the only problem is you could only send it to other people who had skynet <laughs> that so is great for both sarah jessica and i that was like two people and she was <laughs> one of them so we would talk so we got it we kind of um beat the game with the technology we were right on it um you know the greatest the greatest story is I had my mother was like a real uh, luddite techno technologically just not mm -hmm. there at all and uh, nine eleven happened and my mother lived downtown and I'm in I'm in L A freaking out and my brother is in New Jersey and I'm literally saying like oh just drive in and get her and he's like you don't understand oh my god you drive into lower Manhattan right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we didn't hear from her for three days. And wow. uh, Sarah Jessica went to my mother's building and walked up 13 flights of stairs. Oh my God. What? And texted me on that stupid ass Skynet page. <laughs> cell phones weren't working. Not that my mother had one, but cell phones weren't working. Nothing was working. And uh, she texted me on my Skynet pager. I'm sitting here having coffee with your mother. Everything's fine. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So thank God for the Skynet pager. Yeah, That's for real. <laughs> Our wow. sponsor for this podcast tonight, Skynet pagers. Thank you so much for. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw I saw Sarah Jessica as Annie when I, when I was 13. When we Whoa. Were 13. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, since we're, uh, what did you filmed like a pretty iconic white collar set in LA, correct? New York. New oh, it is. Oh, so you're on yeah, two. Yeah. yeah. You're on two like epic New York shows. And, What's and, and, and shot. I, I literally thought that there's no, nothing possible that we could possibly shoot in New York yeah. after mm -hmm. sex in the city. And we shot everything else we shot on white collar and and it was completely different and it looked different you know um sex in the city was very shot like from here because mm -hmm. you had the beautiful faces mm -hmm. uh women it's good to shoot mm -hmm. also a downward angle and you have the outfit and the shoes and all of that uh white collar was shot up Interesting. Okay. The building, the architecture, mm. all of that. That was the star. So New York was a star. New York was a star of Sex in the City in uh, emotionally. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, in white collar, New York was a star physically. That's kind of mm. funny because if you watch, I don't know if you watch Succession, but Succession is like, it's always these like imposing building shots. And you're right. In Sex in the City, there's these like straight on, They're you guys are walking in the West Village, like shots of like your outfits and stuff very like more close-up stuff it's interesting like succession i love succession but to me it looks like it's shot in toronto like yeah, i don't that, i don't i don't feel new york yeah you just feel you just feel evil you just maybe, feel the evil of capitalism it's just a much wealthier new york <laughs> well that's true though i but, invited to well so this is a question for you is someone who had shot because i know i i i know from our from doing some research and also just, we, we were talking earlier about how you've been in so many things and you were on NYPD blue. Um, which was that shot in New York 
No, that was shot in Los Angeles okay. with the with the New York Street on the Fox lot, and okay. then Dennis, uh, Dennis Franz, and Jimmy, and sometimes Nick Turturro would go to New York, okay. uh, like every two or three months, and just shoot a couple of days of like running down streets with guns or whatever. Just to, okay, so they had it to cut. Okay, through. well, because you were saying, you know, when you watch Succession, that it feels it feels like a different New York than what you've known, or maybe it's a wealthier one or something like that. Did, did sex in the city, did it remind you of New York? And does it feel, did it feel like you knew New York when you were doing it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I remember early on. Why do I think maybe Bradley Cooper's episode? Uh, it was early on. And I remember we were shooting at, I mean, we shot a lot of places where we would be, mm-hmm. like that where we would go. <clears throat> I remember we were shooting at the Beauty Bar. Mm. Oh yeah, Fourteenth Street, still there. And it was like we had just been to the Beauty Bar, like a few nights before, not knowing that we were going there uh, to shoot. And at the beginning, especially, I, I mean, I can't speak for Sarah, but for me, when we were shooting in like a club or a nightclub scene, or whatever. You know, first of all, we were all smoking like chimneys until they <laughs> told us that we shouldn't do that anymore. So we didn't do that. And then I was drinking. Like if we if we were at a nightclub and they were drinking, I would be drinking. Yeah. And, and that was really fun because no one was watching the show. Wow. Uh, then by the second season, forget it. All that, all the fun stuff. <laughs> so- so, so when, when when did you when did you know that this was going to be something larger than what you were doing for the first season? Was there a moment that it clicked? My my story is somewhat well documented, but like I I got I got two uh, pilots on the same day. Um, I took the other show. Oh, and then Sex and the City called and said, "Well, can they called Fox, which was the network for the other show." And they called and said, well, will you let him guest on the pilot instead of being a regular? So I shot the pilot for the other show. I shot the pilot for Sex in the City. And then the other show got picked up. And Sarah was on Broadway. So Sarah was doing Once Upon a Mattress on Broadway for a year. So the Mm -hmm. show wasn't even going to start shooting episodes for another year. So... The other show got picked up. It's called Ask Harriet. We shot 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, They aired five and they canceled it. And we called up Sex in the City and said, hey, we might have made a mistake. Like, can we come back? And they said, well, in retooling the show, because they did, um, we feel that this is a recurring character instead of a regular we could take him back as a regular, but we won't pay him very much. And he's just going to be sitting around a lot. So we contract and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because mm. I could work elsewhere. They were very generous. Uh, they overpaid me and, and everyone loved the character so much that, um, you know, Chris, no, Chris notes, famous quote is, you know, a, I don't want to be in a scene with that fucking Garson. That was that was wrong. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I think Michael Michael Patrick King would say a, a little bit of Stanford goes a really long way. So that literally, I could be in an episode and have like one line, and then they'd ask people what the episode about. Like, oh, it's the one where Stanford. Blah, blah, blah. It's like That's... it's like okay, well, I was really basically an extra in that episode, but it was just like a very popular character that yeah. stuck out. Well, I uh, think. I think also like we're going on this journey watching it for the first time. So it's funny just like hearing just all the fans from around the world always talking to us. And, and so many people mention how like the show's about friendship. And I think that there's obviously, um, there's obviously the four girls and there's the city, but it is even watching it. People are so drawn to like, you have a special friendship with Carrie. And I think, I, I don't know. I think people see a lot of their own friendships in in uh, in your friendship with Carrie. Of like, anytime you're in an episode, you see that thing at the beginning that's like Willie Garson. You're like, fuck yeah! yeah. Like it's and um, well, it's it, funny. They, it's it's a, it's a real testament to the writers to to create like kind of um, full people 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, listen, every, every television show starts the same way. Every character is a complete stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how shows start. Mm-hmm. This is the smart one. This is the slutty one. This is the, you know, this is the sweet one. Uh, that's the gay guy, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the longer you go, if you're blessed enough to go for a while, they become full people. Mm-hmm. And by we, that happened very quickly because we're telling such human stories that we find out so much information and that if you watch very carefully, like the first two seasons, all that, all the, that pipe it's called, all that story pipe is to quickly develop more, the more that we can know about these people. Then once you have that, any one of them can interact with any other at any mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And that, that's how it's done. So we learn about, you know, in Stanford's case, we learn about the grand, the rich grandmother. Mm-hmm. We learn that he has a family. We learn that he, what he does for a living because he's got a client who's a model, uh, you know, with a big bulge. Like, <laughs> like that, you know, so, so like we learn, we learn as much as we can quickly. Uh, this show, much more than other shows, mm-hmm. um, happen very quick where they give us all the information about the people. And, and the, Stan- the Stanford... A- character is also uh there's a lot of emotions that occur with him with his dating life and when he's working through the classified sections there's it's not just uh he's not just the token gay character you actually are exploring a lot of these human things about him and i think that that really makes him such a genuine legit character to the writers i mean i didn't i was uh i was very i didn't how do i say this without getting anyone in trouble (laughs) i didn't I didn't audition as a flamboyant character. Mm -hmm. When we got to shoot the pilot, we, I was kind of pushed to be more flamboyant. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I believe the word, I believe the word was gayer. So, (laughs) and, and I felt very uh, uncomfortable because I didn't want to offend anyone Mm -hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was going to be stereotypical, but the writers, because they're so brilliant, uh, and the directors and Michael Patrick King and Darren, um, they made sure that this is not offensive because it's a real person. Yeah, uh, giving him his heartache, what what makes him laugh, what makes him cry, what does he love, who does he care about? Mm. That that makes a real person rather than a cliche. Mm. Yeah, That's and so I, th- true. I think with the fat, like the bright colors, and it's like I don't know. There's there's lots of gay best friend characters, but I think that's where I haven't seen on that many television shows the like the classified ads where you show up and and mm-hmm. I think it says Ed Harris type, right? Oh, well, he said no. That's that's in the models episode where I meet uh, where I meet Anthony. He said, okay. You said you said he looked like Ed Harris. How about Ed? I have no hair. <laughs> uh, and, and he hates me. No, the classified section is um, is my friend uh, Jack Merrill played the role, and I meet him on the street. Yes, yes, yes. and he walks up to I you. Walk up, and he literally says, "He goes, he looks me up and down. And he goes, I'd rather fuck a wall." <laughs> and it's like oh. if your heart is not breaking. Yeah, we Stanford oh. at that moment. I yeah, mean, that's that's an amazing thing. Well, and yeah. so many storylines that involve like classified dating uh, w- that could be played for cheap comedy so easily. Of just like, no thanks, Rick Nine Plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I think there's like a, uh, it's the writing and then how you perform it. Um, and act in it. There's something about Stanford that people are just drawn to and is certainly not a stereotype. And for a show that sometimes people, we interview lots of people on the show and some people are like, love to bring up the parts that haven't aged perfectly. I don't think Stanford's ever come up as something that has done anything but like age well. And And I I think think that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing, the only thing that has not aged well is that to be honest, Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't even audition for it now. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's inappropriate for me to audition right. for it. Yeah, um, and that—that's the only thing that's different. But yeah. in terms of the reality is, and this—I don't think I'm going on a limb by saying this, but I should be able to audition for it mm. because we should get past uh, 
that gender or sexuality has anything to do with anything. Yeah. Yeah. We should get to the humanity. And that's what I'm playing. I'm just playing a human being yeah. who happens to be gay. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so I, I, I hope we get past this um, just as, you know, just as gay men are obviously playing straight people all the yeah. time. And yeah. Um, I, uh, so it, it was interesting, but I do have to say, uh, I was only partially responsible for creating this character. The character was really created by our costume designer, Pat Field. Really? Because of the fashion? or Well, Pat Field got copious uh, notes and input on, on wardrobe and character development for every character on the show, hmm. except, except for Stanford. Stanford, right. Pat read the script and said... This one's mine. This is my playground. And Whoa. she never got a note, a direction, a thought, anything from anyone. She just created. And when I talk about six-hour wardrobe sessions, mm-hmm. because every designer on the planet wanted to be on Stanford. <laughs> That's because amazing. They knew, they, knew it was, they knew it was Pat's baby. And they knew that it would be not only talked about, but extremely featured. I mean, mm. some, of the, some of them we even had to write lines about. I think, what's the episode where she finds another gay friend and I walk up to them on the street and I'm wearing a bright green suit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we had to, we literally had to add the couplet. I actually go, I'm green with envy. And Sarah has to look at the suit and go, you certainly are. And that was only because <laughs> I was wearing that suit that day. You know, so we had to like point to it, like it was just so ridiculous. Do you do you have a particular outfit that was your favorite that that sticks out it's, the most? It's so hard. I mean, it's you know, it, none of it is really what Willie Garson would wear. Sure. So generally, the concept was if it looked good on me, and maybe not look like Job of the Hut, and <laughs> if if it was uh, if it so if it fit great and fit the story. And uh, so that would be great. And then if I liked the outfit enough to wear it, we would get the designer to give me something that I would wear in my life. <laughs> so I will, I will say, and we use them a lot, this uh, English designer, Oswald Botang, um, his suits, just his cut was exactly my body. Like it wow. was exactly right for my body. Um, and so his suits fit me really well. Those were beautiful. That's so interesting because we, we talk a lot. Um, well, first of all, we talk a lot about how being three straight dudes who none of us are particularly, none of us work in fashion, probably <laughs> clear from you seeing us through this zoom and, uh, you know, like, but like, that's the thing we miss the most, not, not miss in terms of like, Oh, we missed it. But like the thing that just blows right by oh, us yeah. is the fashion. But it's interesting because we talked to so many female fans of the show and, you know, we've talked to Sarah, Jessica and Kristen, but it's interesting to hear a male character talk about being involved in the fashion and like you getting to interact with designers of the time. And like that whole show from like male characters to female characters to anyone, it, it like didn't miss anyone on fashion. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I was like the audience mm. when I came to the show. So I went to New York. It was very exciting. I went to New York to shoot the pilot and I had my day with Pat Field. And I was, you know, I'm a suburban kid from central New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, This world is not my world, this high fashion world. And they go, I knew right away, because they go, oh, well, you're going to meet with Pat at her atelier. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I go to Pat's atelier, which is something that is in France, where you meet with your designer. And it was on 8th Street near Pat's store. And I knew mm-hmm. that Pat was a very famous designer. And I walked in and it was beautiful oriental rugs on the floor and racks and racks of like the most beautiful clothing you've ever seen and a bottle of champagne on ice and a carton of cigarettes. <coughs> and I thought, okay, <laughs> game on. Like if this is <laughs> something you see in a movie, like that, you know, uh, this is real. This is like real life. And, and it, and it was, 
That's amazing. That's, I just I just want to tell you one more thing about Pat. Uh, 10, 15 years after the fact, I think it was even on the second movie, Pat came in, we're putting together an outfit, and she goes, I'll, I'll be right back. And she runs out and comes back in about 20 minutes, and she has a pair of cufflinks. And she goes, I got these for you 12 years ago. They're perfect for this outfit. Oh, my gosh. Thought, okay, that's fucking crazy. That's crazy. Wow. So that's the level of thought she put into it. What a legend. And, and yeah, I, I, uh, that's cool that you had that relationship with her. We didn't, we, I, we're clearly aware that it's like Stanford has like bold fashion choices. And like, I think since we're, <laughs> since that's the close where, I don't know, we just, the men's fashion to us always stands out more. We talk about it more cause we are, are guys. Um, but that's cool that there was so much thought put into it on her. Her end. We well, want to also. There's no fashion for the men on the show. I mean, yes. people, people, you know, this is the thing. People call. I gave her the award, the Fashion Designer of the Year award, mm-hmm. and I presented her with the award as a fancy dinner, and everyone was there. Tommy Hilfiger, you know, everyone was there, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, you know, I said in my speech, like people think she's such a genius because it's so wacky, and Sarah's wacky with this thing on her head, and look what Kim's wearing today, whatever. But people forget she also dressed every cop. Mm-hmm. Every, every yeah. daily owner, you know, I mean, she really is a genius. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, running like full on, full on TV wardrobe production. Plus all the like insane outfits that are happening. Yeah. Steve's, Steve's basketball shorts. Yeah. All those, <laughs> all those Puma tanks. You got to run all, all those too. I mean, come on. Uh, Seriously. It's like two, three like trips eight, to TJ Maxx. Outfits, oh, yeah, my oh my gosh. gosh. We've had a field day talking about just like, we always talk about like how Aiden just was like straight off of the the second Pearl Jam tour, you know, like as a roadie <laughs> at Lollapalooza and uh, like with his Soundgarden tie dye shirt. It's Narcos definitely is- been very Seattle influenced, yeah. I would say. Totally. Can, yeah. <laughs> can you tell us um, what it was? I mean, you said a little bit about your you were the only one in the room, but um, what what was the audition process like when you first oh read my for God, it's it? So funny. Um, I, I went to an audition, just like any, you know, during, it used to be more so, it's not so much in now, but pilot season mm-hmm. is like time of year, like January to April, where all the pilots are being cast, and there used to be a lot of them, and you'd go and go and go until you got one. Mm-hmm. And so this was another pilot audition. I read it, I didn't really get it, uh, so I, I, I wasn't sure what that meant, what it meant. Um, and I also didn't understand what HBO was at the time. Mm, wow. They had that they had that football show with OJ Simpson, like first and ten or something. I, I didn't understand. And they had boxing matches. Boxing, yeah. I remember yeah, the boxing so I matches. Didn't, I didn't know what it was. Um, but anyway, it was just another audition at pilot season. And I went a very small room, um, like a broom closet basically, uh, at Warner Brothers. And um, Russell Gray, the casting director, and Darren Starr were there. And I walked in, I did it, I read it again, not flamboyant at all. Yeah. Like I just read it as a guy who happened to be gay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I went to leave and I so I turned and I was at the door opening the door and Darren said, Willie, uh, hold on a second. And I turned, I go, what? He goes, That's a great suit. And I, I said, yeah. um, thank you. And and I left and then that was it. And then they called and said they wanted to make a test deal. I'm like, based on that? I'm like, well, I I said to my agent, I'll tell you this. I I know what suit I'm wearing. (laughs) Definitely wearing the same suit. Um, And so normally you make a test deal and go audition at the studio. And then when you get past that, then you go to the network but this was the same HBO was the studio and the network. So we made the test deal and I went and there were all these women, big fancy, you know, tower in century city and, uh, in Los Angeles. And, uh, there's all these women for all the other parts mm. are sitting in the lobby. Um, and so I'm just listening to them to hear more about what was going on. Um, this was in the morning and my audition for ask Harriet, was at four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. So I went in, I was the only one there for Stanford. 
um, which ends up meaning nothing, actually, now that I think about it, because none of the women there got any of the parts. Uh, wow. Yeah. They were willing, I'm sure they were willing to keep moving forward like, mm-hmm. and looking for more people. But by, by noon, I think we got the call that I got it. And they said, well, we're going to have to wait because he has another audition. And the other show was um, for Fox, which was a real network. And it was slightly more money. And I thought, well, that's, and it was really, and it was truly like the true second lead. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, if I get that one, I'm going to do that one first. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. And I did. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, You've just had such an insane career. Like you've been in what, I guess, I don't know if this is too general, but what is it like to just, you're, you're just like a go-to comedic actor you've been in fucking like every big sitcom ever like as a doctor as this as this like is it what's it i guess what what's it like we've never talked to someone who's been in 75 different sitcoms you know it's interesting it's not it's not just sitcoms my friend yeah yeah i know i but i uh i'm I'm actually uh, so someone convinced me and this is not a plug because i don't think anyone's ever going to read it but as kind of an old fashioned style character actor, Mm -hmm. I do like to work all the time. And I also do like every time to be different. Mm. Um, That said, so I'm writing a book right now and it just starts because I have like, I have the longest IMDB that anyone knows of. Mm -hmm. So I literally started in 1985, the Entry number one. And I just write whatever I need to say about that thing. Some of them I literally write, if you held a gun to my head, I could not tell you what this is. (laughs) So so literally, some of them are like that. But it just goes on and it's just kind of a journey um, to keep working. Uh, It's funny what you just said because when I was auditioning for White Collar, there was someone at NBC Universal uh, who didn't want me. And a big executive at NBC Universal, apparently, and I know this from a number of people, stood up in the room and said, listen, we don't really know these other people that well, and Willie Garson is like a warm blanket for the audience. Let's give them that blanket. <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, amazing. That's, that's such a compliment. That's that such a amazing. compliment, though. It's a compliment as long as it's not a wet blanket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, like that's Kevin- a, that's a that book is is incredibly interesting sounding. Yeah. Uh, we I, keep us updated as to I'm trying I'm trying it to make out. it very readable, and I'm also trying very hard uh, not to talk shit. Sure. Because that's not the point of the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, could- I I tell stories, but I don't I don't go there if it if but I hint that it might have gone there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That- that's great. Yeah, we, we, that, we'll we'll toss that on the uh, the Bradshaw Boys uh, book club, and yeah. uh, when it comes out, I'm, you need I'm need to let us know. I'm literally up to 1997, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm past page 100 already. Wow, that's amazing. That's I have incredible. A, it might be like War and Peace. Like I, I have no idea. <laughs> One of my favorite books uh, when I I got into acting when I was in high school is it's an encyclopedia of character actors called Who the Hell Is That Guy. And I have to, it's at my apartment in New York. So when I get back, I'll see if you're in it, but it's like all these people that you see and everything. And that's always what I was drawn to. Um, There's like the people that became big stars, like Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley. And then there's just, but any character, I would always zone in. But but just any character actor that, that works like you do, I think that book will do really well and will be inspiring too. Okay. Well, I'll spill, I'll spill the beans. Okay. Wait, you know when your parents are out when you're a kid, so you, of course, route through everything in the house. Uh-huh. Like you're yeah. looking in your dad's uh, nightstand, you're looking in the change drawer, like, you know, you find everything. Uh, my father, in his nightstand, had a sexy book, which literally could not have been less sexy. And the book, <laughs> and the book was called, I'm, I'm not making any of this up, the book is called My First 500. <laughs> and it's written it's written like I'm writing my book. It's oh. literally number thirty-two through thirty-seven 
was a basketball team that I met in the Denver. Oh, oh, and then she gosh. describes like whatever happened. And it's like, it's, it's like the book is completely <laughs> that, asexual as far as I'm concerned. But that's what I based my idea for my book on. That's amazing. That's like that a sex so in the city. Funny. That's like a sex in the city episode that like yeah. Carrie meets someone that has a book like that. Someone and then finds they go Samantha's through that whole first thing. 500. Yeah. They're yeah. writing down like, okay, that's 371. Yeah. They're like the entire catering staff at my sister. Sister's wedding. That That's is what, by the way, I went online to buy a copy uh. of my first 500, and like a, a first edition is like a thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! I found a paperback copy, no stains. Uh, that that was like sixty dollars or something. So I oh have it. I bought a copy, and I own a copy. That's great. That we, is so Kevin and I were looking last night at just the different cause you mentioned you were like, it's not just sitcoms. And it's true though, that like I, Kevin and I were looking through stuff cause I, it was interesting looking through and seeing things that I remember seeing you in before I watched sex and the city and being like, Oh my gosh, that too. Like there's something about Mary, um, you being the doctor in that. And then the rock being in the rock, oh my gosh, which is, is <laughs> so, crazy. So random. And then, so- and then like a great one from when I was a kid that I feel like no one's going to remember this, but you were in Quantum Leap, the TV show with Scott Bakula. Well, people will remember because they have conventions of leapers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By the way, that's what they're called. I'm not like making... The pe- wait, people have been on the show, Quantum Leap, are called leapers? No, no, the fans. What, oh, the, the fans. fans oh, the leapers. fans are. <laughs> and uh, I'm a big deal over there. There's a couple shows where I'm a big deal because I'm the only person who did multiple episodes. So like Quantum Leap, I'm the only person who played two different uh, oh. A guests. Oh, you played on Quantum Leap. Did you play Lee Harvey Oswald on I it? I did. I did because the producer uh, says, I think he's full of crap, but he says that uh, that Lee served with him in Korea. Oh my god! And that... When he saw me in Ruby, was a movie where I played Lee Harvey Oswald. That I was the only one who could play it, even though they had never done it before on the show. Repeated someone, but I, he had to have me. I think he didn't want to have a casting session. Is my <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one is X Files. I'm the only person who did two X Files as two totally different wow. guest stars, and then. Uh, and then the big one is for those kind of people is, um, is Stargate. Uh, they love that crap. Like, That's okay. Amazing. So here's, here's a quiz for you. Who's the only sex. Who's the only actor on sex in the city who played two different characters? Oh, that's, a, that's a good cute question. That's a great question because, because- I the, feel it's this guy. Is it a guy? We're it's called. Guy. We're fans of Sex and City. We're called Sexers, and the, <laughs> the Sexers are big fans. It's a guy. It is a guy. It's, it's a, a guy. guy, and he has a famous father. He's um. He's Peter Lawford's son. What's his oh. name? Justin Thoreau. Oh no, not Justin. Oh, but that would make sense. There's another guy. I feel, I think, but I wouldn't be like an A guest star. It's just like smaller okay. parts. Peter. Um, Justin Thoreau played two different parts. He plays yeah. he plays a guy who is um it's oh the mother is the woman oh, I'm I'm messing all this up but basically he plays a guy who like has sex issues and his mother is trying to work it's through them and their family yeah. yeah and their family like talks way too much about it and Carrie's dating him so and then he also plays another guy a season before where I think Carrie meets up with them at like Union Square when her and Big are kind of like in an off moment. And so it's weird, but yeah. then like what happens is when you see him a season later and he's a totally different character, he has shorter hair and he has like wire rim glasses. It's like he's well, like his college self. You know, he's an interesting case that Justin Thoreau, because I don't get Justin Thoreau. I'm like, I'm, I'm in a fog because I never know what he looks like. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he looks different. He looks different all the time. Well, and now, yeah. Like now he looks nothing like he looked 20 years ago. That's a great point. I mean, like him and the leftovers, he looks completely different than he did in Sex and the completely City. Completely different. Yeah, and like, totally I, different. You know, I was I was pretty good friends with him for a minute because he was going out with a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then I saw the leftovers, and I'm like, "Is that Justin? Like, that's so weird because he looks nothing like the person I know." Yeah, totally. Um, well. And I don't mean I don't mean in like a Mickey Rourke kind of way, like some horrifying. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Oh, man. Kevin, I feel like we... your book, I feel like you say you're not going to, I feel like your book's going to have some real zingers in there. I oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, this book's got to be a roast fest, man. You just got to like, no, throw no, it no, out no, there. no, I don't do it. I don't <laughs> do it. I, I feel my book is getting to be too corny because I was like so afraid of like offending anyone and talking shit. No, well, I no. Think, well, every, like you said, every niche fandom, though, will be interested in picking up a, a, a copy, whether it's the X-Files fans, the Sex and the City fans, the Leapers. Like, I think that's going to be a, a really interesting thing for kind of all those yeah. fandoms that... Uh, I just don't want it to be 600 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I, we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are going to uh, go ahead and ask you, these are fan questions and um the awa ask willie anything i, I got yes. i got one that i got one that i could start with it's yeah, from it. um it's from well i have two from twitter and i'll give it to you the first one is from uh lindsey lou and the second one is uh from john john legends virginal butt cheeks that's the twitter name of this so the first <laughs> Do we, do we really know that about John Legend? I yeah, don't we, know. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a great question. Are they, are they virginal? Well, that's what you we'll got we'll to answer Chrissy. that in the book. You got to see. That's yeah. the first question. Are they? Are, <laughs> are they really virginal? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> so the first question is the hardest you ever laughed on set. Do you remember that? Ooh. Oh Jesus! I mean, that's from Lindsay. No, Lou. I don't remember because we just laughed all the time. Um, all I had to do was imitate George Jefferson and we would laugh for 20 minutes. Like my favorite television show of all time. Um, but I, I, no, I, I, I don't. I mean, okay. there were scenes that were very hard to get through. Let's just put it that way. Okay. We'd laugh a lot. And then the second one is, I, I feel like you might've been asked this before, but do you have any insight on what would have happened in Sex and the City 3? I, I don't have a lot of insight. Um, I believe uh, uh, on the, the broadest strokes, I believe I was going to have a child uh, that oh. Anthony and I were maybe going to have a child. Um, mm. I, I, and that maybe Sarah was not going to end up with big uh, through either divorce or death or whatever. That's why I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we got, we got close, but not close <clears throat> enough. She would be a great, a great godmother to your child. I feel like oh, in the God. show. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, when you mentioned earlier that Chris Noth said, "Don't put me in a scene with Willie Garson." <laughs> Let's go back to that. Can we? I mean, uh, wh what is that? Is that real beef or fake? He beef? felt that he felt that Stanford uh, took a ton of focus. Uh... So his 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 concept was that if uh, it was a compliment uh, for sure, but also he wasn't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that if I if I was in a scene, certainly in one of those Fakakta outfits. Mm -hmm. that no one is looking at anything else in the scene other than me. So he, that was like a direction of his, don't give me any scenes with that fucking Garson. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. I took as a compliment. That's this great. is, uh, this is, uh, from Tina Huddleston and, uh, you'll have to help me with, with what this was in, but what was it like to film with Liza Minnelli? Well, Liza Minnelli marries uh, marries Anthony and I, Mario Cantone and I, in the second. What you get married to Aunt Mario Cantone? You know oh, that we haven't, haven't finished the, the we haven't Holy finished shit. the shit. No, but we always say spoilers are off the table. Spoilers are off the table. But isn't it crazy that we don't know that and that's like a spoiler to us? I and literally it's been just years? asked my wife that like like three days ago. I was like, does Stanford end up? And she was like, I'm not saying anything. Wow. So that is that oh is fantastic news. If there I was didn't a way to that get either. that, if there's a way to get that spoiler, it's from you. That's in that's amazing. I mean, here's the thing. It's such a huge thing. Uh, you know, what an icon and a legend. Uh, you know, it's beyond comprehension. And what could be a gayer wedding than to be married by Liza Minnelli? <laughs> and so much so that once again, like the green suit, I actually had to add a line. So she she marries us and she says, you know, I do and I do. And I go, do you? Da, 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 da. And I go, I do you, Liza Minnelli. That's amazing. Oh man! Oh, I can't wait to see that Mario Cantone. So good. Yeah, it's I'm the second movie. It's in the second movie. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, also this. This is not a question, but it says uh, from Country Girl. She says, "Love Stanny, 
at Willie Garson. I love the episode where he's quote green with envy in that green suit. So, oh, ooh, <laughs> um, so. I mean, here's, the, here's the thing. Like we, we didn't ad lib on the show, but I would sometimes go to Michael Patrick King with a better blow. Like a blow is mm. like the end of a scene. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he would say he, he fought me on it at the beginning, but then he would give me one take with that. And after a few months of him being on the show, he came to me and said, I realized in editing, I was using a lot of yours. So have at it. Mm. So then we became more partners, which is how I like to work. Yeah. And it's not how he came in, but how I like to work. And now we're compadres. So, so uh, here's this one's really good, especially now that the spoiler happened. But MK Lean said, did. Uh, did you know, and when did you find out in the writing process that you were going to end up with Anthony? Uh, no, no, I did not know, and I never found out in the writing process. Hmm. Did you? Did you, I saw? I saw it in the script. Okay. Wow. How? What was it like when you saw that? Were you like, I was like, really? Because like, um, in the first movie, we happened to be in the same nightclub mm-hmm. at, at midnight on New Year's Eve. And we don't have anyone to kiss. That's the whole the whole uh, the whole sequence is about people at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that little uh, montage. And uh, so he comes past me at the uh, at the nightclub, and obviously we've established that we don't like each other. And uh, we just I kiss him, and uh, I'm like, so that's where we left it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Uh, and then, lo and behold, I read the next script. I'm like, "What? what? <laughs> like, what That's happened amazing. to what happened to the hot one? Uh, yeah. the, dance, the Broadway dancer, John, <laughs> or what is his name? Sean, Marcus, 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 Marcus. Yeah, you, the Marcus yeah. that was we're, the male escort. We're at, yeah, yeah. You, we are. Yeah, you just the last episode we watched. You just broke up with uh, Marcus because because uh, you found out he was a, an escort. Yeah, in the class. Didn't we get back together at the prom? You got back together at the prom. You, you That's the last thing we saw. I forgot about the prom scene. You got yeah, back yeah, together at yeah. the, the prom. One of the most beautiful scenes. Yes. Was. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was so beautiful. Good. So yeah. beautiful. Oh my God. What, what's the song? Uh, is it I Know This Much Is True? What, what's. Oh, no. it, it's. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, it's such a great song. And Sarah and I had so much fun dancing at the prom. And it was like, yeah, that scene is fantastic. That's okay. This, this might require some Willie Garson improv, but, uh, how do you think that Stanford and Carrie met in, in your actor backstory? How do you think they became friends? Oh, definitely at a restaurant. (laughs) Are you kidding? Like waiting for people. Like she, my guess is I've thought about this before. Maybe she was uh, waiting for the girls, mm-hmm. and I was sitting at the bar. Um, if I want to go deep, like maybe stood up on a date, and mm-hmm. she's waiting for the girls, and we start talking, and she says, "Do you have a cigarette?" And I'm like, and then she orders a cosmopolitan, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's what I drink!" And you know, I just could imagine like that's how it went down. Oh, yeah. that's great. Perfect. And she's like, what? you have a Skynet pager too? We should keep in touch. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was born. Yeah. You're Jewish uh, from New Jersey too? <laughs> uh, well, you, you were on Quantum Leap. I'm a leaper. Carrie was a leaper. That's what it was. <laughs> well, um, we, we cannot, cannot thank, thank you, you enough. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Willie. When well, we, thanks for having me. When we, boys. when we first... Garson guys tonight. Garson yeah, guys. Yeah, the Garson yeah. guys. Um... We, uh, our dream would be once things are back to normal to be able to do some sort of live show out in LA or out back back in New York. And and I think, I think it's funny. We, we wanted to do that. And now that there's no more live events, I feel like more than ever we're fiending for being like when, when we're able to do some sort of live event again, we would, we would. Have you ever done, have you ever done like a recording on one of the bus tours with those people who go on those bus tours? No. No. We haven't. There's another podcast that is two hosts from that. I actually used to, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I used to give Sex and City walking tours, even though I had never seen the show. I just <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just got offered like a gig and I took it. And it'd be like, like midway through the tour, people would be like, it seems like you didn't, haven't seen the show. And I'm like, I haven't. And they're like, oh my. And then the girls would get so into like showing me around. I'd be like, all right, here's where we're going next. That's so, amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, my my mother, who was like a serial liar, 
used to work used to work for the Big Apples. The Big Apples is in the mayor's office in New York. Uh-huh. And if you're visiting New York, you can call the mayor's office and the Big Apples and say, I want a tour of whatever, financial district, Little Italy, whatever. And they have volunteers who know all about that area. And they meet you for lunch and then they take you on a tour. And I, I always like imagine because my mother lied about everything. <laughs> so I can, always, I can almost imagine like her tours would be like uh-huh. – Oh yeah, this is where George Washington lost his tooth. Like, whatever. I mean, like I'm sure she just made up crap all the time. This is the first diner that Alexander Hamilton ever worked at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, well, thank you. We are we are so incredibly grateful for for you spending the night with us. We, we thank you so much. Thanks for so having fun. me. It's early here in Los Angeles, so it was nothing. This is part of my work day. That's <laughs> great. Well, please when you're when you're book is ready we would we yes. would love to to Does this mean i have to finish it now i think you so you said it out loud yeah absolutely yeah sp- we gotta have a book club yeah i'm getting back into it tomorrow great perfect great all right send us pages awesome all right, <laughs> thank guys, you so nice much to meet you. thank you Willie. nice meeting you as thank, well thank you so much you. Willie. we'll see you bye now uh that was amazing that was incredible um how, how are you feeling john he is just a, a just a ray of sunshine that was like so his stories just had me completely enraptured like i was just like so he's so he's so magical that you was so I, fun you know what i was thinking first of all it's funny to imagine that maybe right now he's like texting sarah jessica parker and just being like <laughs> hey i just did that thing that you did with those dudes you know what'd be amazing if is he if he like if you imagine this like a tv show and he kind of like wistfully like logs off Zoom and then he just kind of goes, those guys. And then he reaches in his desk and he opens this drawer and then he reaches in and he just pulls out a Skynet pager. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just texts her and then it cuts to her and she's like, oh, wow, I know the Bradshaw boys. Oh, Dude, man. She's got it in some like super hidden compartment somewhere <laughs> in her house. And it's just like the Skynet pager's rigging. It's no, but like I, a bad I, phone. Like, uh, what was crazy is like I, you know, while we were talking, we had beforehand, I had his, his IMDb, his filmography up and it's just like, like name a movie, like name any movie or TV show. And he has been in it. It's like, it's, it's actually legit bonkers. I was so embarrassed. I said sitcoms. I was just scrolling through. I wanted to bring up being John Malkovich and Groundhog's Day because those are two of my favorite films. Yeah. And I was just, I was blown. It was like mad about you. Cheers. Well, it's friends. crazy. Like I, so I, I felt like embarrassed when he was like more than sitcoms. Cause I knew that, but it's like also for the era of sitcoms, like he's been, he'd be on a list of like most, most sitcoms, not well, just most sitcoms, but like the big ones, like the Super Bowl of every sitcom, you know, well, you're not it's wrong. Not- yeah. You're not wrong in the sense that he has been on every sitcom. And then he's also been on tons of TV every dramas other show, and yeah. in lots of movies. He's been in a million things. It's just yeah. wild. It's like, I, and also his book is just such a great, such a great idea. Like, yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely read that book. I also, uh, one thing that I thought when, you know, cause now. I mean, we've done interviews with Candace, uh, Kristen, and Willie, and Ben, um, first name for all of them. And we've done it with SJP too, but um, SJP, since it was uh, the quarantine episode, and then the other thing was like a quick rush, that it, it seems like everyone were they're so much wittier and funnier and like snappier yeah. than because they're not acting. It's like, oh, you're high wit intelligence and very funny to talk with yep. and um and it made me it was it was just cool to be able to i don't know just shoot the shit with someone who was like oh yeah you're fucking hilarious well and yeah. you also realize how much he knows about when he was talking about how uh white collar was shot and sex in the city yeah. was shot and you realize like someone who's been on that many film sets understands like the craft of what he's making he's just like an incredibly sharp witty quick funny but also warm, caring, great individual. Dude, imagine yeah. imagine how much information towards how a film set works that dude has. Yeah, he's it's like crazy. he's like Regis Philbin on yeah. who's like logged the most hours on TV. He's probably been on set like for the past f- f- 
35 years. Like, yeah. It's um, unbelievable. Also, I was going to say, uh, there's a, oh, when he was talking about being on set, for those of you, in case you didn't, uh, it was hard to understand. He was saying that Sex in the City was shot um, from above because going and down, then, yeah. And white collar shot more from from down. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to interrupt him because it was early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but like the angles thing when he was talking about. But yeah, if how, it was later, you would have wanted to interrupt him. If it was later, you'd have been like, "Hey, man, we're we're close now. I'm going to call you out on this, okay? I'm going to interrupt you." It's 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 difficult to for anyone to understand what it's like to just be like these people are hanging out, and you know they're not getting paid. Like they're doing, and in a and they don't know what they're getting into. And are you guys stressed? I'm always like stressed. I'm like, is the internet okay. working? Is it recording? I will, and. Are we going to embarrass ourselves? You know, the only time I'm really stressed is like in once the beginning. we get in there. Yeah, it's the beginning. Like it's when we're trying to set up. Like we didn't record this obviously because we're starting, but like we're trying to set up the tech with people, and yeah. you're you're getting you know you're walking through something, and like this is the whole thing of quarantine and COVID, where this is what like celebrities and actors like him are usually on a film set with a crew and now they have been tasked with like going like you watch the today show it's like leslie odom jr in his house with like airpods in and his zoom yeah. freezes and like so the only time i'm stressed is like when we were in the beginning i was like um do you have other headphones you can use yeah, 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 yeah hang on and like Corey is Corey's <laughs> responsible for having to be like, he's like, yeah, I have headphones. And Corey's like, um, can you get different ones? Different and ones. I was just in there. I'm like, I'm so fucking glad oh I didn't gosh. have that job. Oh, no. But he was, yeah. he was so, he was so nice about it. I think also, I think you're right, Corey. Like people are more used to that. And I feel like it's been good that we've adapted to our system to get more guests on. Cause then we haven't had to be like, wait another year to go to LA. Like we've been able to get these people yeah. on yeah. partially because this has been less scary. So, yeah. Um, but everybody, the rumors are true. Willie Garson is, uh, just so funny. So and nice. So, so generous so amazing. with his time and was just like a fun hang. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Willie. And, um, I think, I think that one's in the books for Stanford Blatch. He's That's right. just as amazing in person as he is on the screen. Signing off. Later Thank you, taters. Everyone. This has Later been the taters. Blatch Boys. The Blatch Boys. The Garson guys. The Garson guys. Later taters. The Bradshaw Boys stars Corey Cabin, Kevin James Doyle, and John Sieber. The show is produced by me, Jeremy Balin, and narrated by Katie Sieber. This podcast is part of the Seltzer Kings Network. Check out all their great podcasts at seltzerkings.com. You can find the boys on their socials at The Bradshaw Boys or on their website at TheBradshawBoys.com. And as always, if you see them in the street, tip your glass. Thanks for listening. What? You get married to Aunt Mario Cantone? Holy shit!